Welcome, everyone, to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. All right, everybody, start humming. I'm not going to, I'm actually, I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it, but be thinking like I am singing it. Sunny days sweeping the clouds away. You know, the Sesame Street song. Everybody be humming that? Good, because today we're taking a deep dive into, from my standpoint, one of the most exciting things that's happened at Sesame Street in a long time, and that is the introduction of a new storyline and Muppet that is in foster care. Today we're talking with Kama Einhorn. She is Senior Content Manager for Sesame Workshops U.S. Social Impact Group. Boy, that's quite a, quite a handful. She is one of the creators of the new Muppet, whose name is Carly, who lives with her foster parents. And, and uh, Kema develops multimedia outreach material for children, parents, and providers. Welcome, Kema, to Creating a Family. I am so excited. Thanks so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. You know, I, I was trying to debate whether I, I also love Elmo's song, and I was kind of thinking, and my kids were saying, "Mom, don't don't sing any of them." <laughs> so I decided. But I was I was kind of working last night in the shower on sunny days, and then I was alternating between Elmo's song. So, uh, well, I think the the decision was probably a good one. It was all <laughs> I could do not to to at least start off singing it. Um, like I said, for our community, uh, the introduction of Carly, who is in foster care, living with her foster parents, is such a big deal because we have so many people who are foster parents or have been in foster care themselves uh, or have adopted from foster care. So it's just it's an important it's an important topic for us. But I mean, if you look at the numbers of of children in the United States in foster care just even now, not to, not to say how many have been in the last, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years or in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's a big deal. So what was the decision like? What, what goes into the decision of creating a new storyline, especially one that calls for a new Muppet? Yeah, um, it's a great question. So um, Sesame Street has had a long history of serving vulnerable children and tackling tough topics. And Sesame Street and Communities is the hub of all of that work that we do um, around social impact and reaching the most vulnerable kids and families and communities. Um, a few years ago, we launched a topic called Traumatic Experiences, which was mm -hmm. a, a deep dive into, with full of um, kid-facing and provider and parent-facing resources, a deep dive into the world of adverse childhood experiences um, through the lens of the ACEs study over the last several decades, which correlated so much long-term mental and health, mental and physical health issues to early trauma. Mm -hmm. um, through that sort of umbrella initiative, what came out from advisors, expert advisors, and um, local and national par partners, such as yourselves and community partners, um, was the need for very specific, for us to focus specifically on certain traumas among them homelessness, which we launched in December. And, and, and here we see a need in the foster care community. Um, we also knew that the numbers of children in foster care were growing and the system was so fragmented and children, there was a real, um, there was a real need for resources for kids and for parents and families um, coping with issues around um, being in, in care. So part of the Part of our task is to determine um, what topics we cover. Here, it came to us um, from a, you know, from a previous initiative and from advisors and partners the request, and sort of flagging for us the need for such a topic. Um, and once we do figure out a topic, um, well, first of all, we need to depend on the um, generosity of our supporters, our philanthropic supporters. Um, we need to figure out do we, which Muppet can really be this topic's ambassador. Um, we've seen before, you know, Elmo, when we did our outreach for military families, the challenges that military, military families face, we had him be the military kid and we had his dad go overseas um, to do his job with his team is, is the, the kid appropriate way that we described it. So in that one, Elmo was the ambassador. When it's not an existing Muppet that we all know and love, the core characters from the show like Oscar and Grover, um, we, we can create one. So for this initiative, we created Carly, who is a six and a half year old Muppet and who can represent the experience, of course, not, not individual experiences, but um, who can represent the experience and the perspective of a child in foster care. So she was developed specifically for the initiative. Um, and we consider everything from 
from her age to what her voice sounds like to the expression on her face um, to you know her body language um, and we want to we want to present her in a child friendly way um, that is you know has the lighthearted playful touch of Muppets while still addressing this serious issue which we um, she's a piece of of the whole initiative so she doesn't appear in every single piece on sesame street and communities.org but um but we see her a lot and to overall she serves as the um as the ambassador and the representative for the topic so how do you make the decision whether it's going to be an existing muppet that we all know and love or a new Muppet. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating question, really. Um, it depends on the topic. It depends on the topic. Sometimes it's very easy to give an existing character um, a backstory. Um, mm-hmm. With Elmo and Military, that was a, you know, a pretty big decision. With Big Bird, who represented the trauma initiative, um, that was a little more general because we never said the sort of trauma he'd experienced. And we simply said to children, we said, Big Bird was having a very hard time. He's having really big feelings. And here's his trusted adult friend to, you know, teach him this breathing activity. So um, when it's an existing Muppet, we choose a Muppet that is that will lend themselves well to the topic. Um, for traumatic experiences, Big Bird has an innocence and a vulnerability, yet also a sort of protective quality. Um, that we knew kids would really respond to because we've seen that in focus testing. Um, and we knew he could um, he could work in the different materials that we were creating around traumatic experiences without having to name, you know, this particular trauma happened to Big Bird. With foster care, it was a really different story because to create um, to create a backstory for an existing character with this heavy a piece, you know, this heavy a plot point, um, wouldn't really be appropriate for, you know, for a wider audience. So then it's up to us to create the perfect Muppet to do so. Um, and that process is, is pretty intriguing um, and often a lot of fun. Yeah, I, wanna, I, I want to, to hear about that process. But let me stop and, and make sure that we're clear. So Carly, and this storyline is on Sesame Street and communities.org. It is not on, am I correct on this? It's not on the, the regular Sesame Street show. Exactly. Um, most people know Sesame Street from the show, of course. Um, many of us listening, I'm sure, grew up on it. Um, but what people don't know is that we're a nonprofit. And then our mission has always been to serve vulnerable kids and families and to help kids grow smarter, stronger, and kinder. So that's what the social impact group, my group, that's what we're all about. And all of our materials live on Sesame Street in communities.org, which is completely free and bilingual. Um, and once in a while, the characters that we've developed for for these initiatives on the site, um, make their way onto the onto the actual broadcast show, which you know, if you will turn on HBO, you see. Um, an example of that is Julia from the Autism Initiative. Yeah, and that was that, that's new too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, pretty new. A couple of years. Um, the response to her, the public response to her, was mm-hmm. so it it was so far reaching um, mm-hmm. that there was there was um, a lot of interest in having her on the show. So we'll we'll never know in advance, you know, which characters will make it onto broadcast. Obviously we want, we want these lovable Muppets to um, make their way into as many homes and hearts as possible. Um, But we get them, we get them going and we get them out there into the, you know, on the site and out there into communities. Um, And we find that, that kids really, that they, they have sort of a direct line to the hearts of, of kids and of, of course, many adults, and they're able to often do what humans can't do, right? They can tackle these heavy topics with this light touch and do it um, using, you know, through a child's perspective. And there's Mm -hmm. not that many materials out there to do that. And so we're in this unique position of being able to use our media to, um, to leverage that power to really get kids where they live, where they need it the most. So it's Muppet power. (laughs) Yeah, Muppet Power. Yeah, um, t-shirt, t-shirt idea. Um, the um, we got a question from Angela. Uh, she says she's curious if the creators had personal experience with the foster care system. That's a very good question. Um, of a, of the small group of in-house content developers, I do not believe so. I can't speak for everyone else. Um, however, we work very closely with advisors 
Um, we have a panel of eight expert advisors. Um, several of them are foster caregivers themselves. Um, and I believe at least one has had personal experience as a child. Um, the other important piece of this is that we um, research is sort of the lifeblood of Sesame Workshop. And all of our materials are focus tested um, several times with several different groups. So we, we bring this material to, um, to the adults, to the foster caregivers and to the, um, the providers who are serving them. And we have them critique and you know, provide feedback and recommend changes on every piece. Now, these are adults who have worked very closely with many children in the system um, and they're, you know, they're expert empaths. So we look to them um, to give us feedback on how accurately um, and sensitively we are, um, are you know, our how our messaging is for kids, um, how we're presenting the child's perspective. Um, I will say that in there are certain initiatives that we have, such as military families, um, grief, you know, childhood grief, divorce, um, where many more of us have had personal experiences mm -hmm. um, with that particular trauma. And um, our hearts are really in what we do. Um, and when it's when it's a very direct personal connection, um, you know, it's even more charged. And I think it makes the work. I think it always makes the work better. Um, so we're in general, we. Um, while we haven't necessarily had experience um, directly with this topic, um, we're looking to the people who do, and right. um, and always trying to sort of channel the heart of the, the hearts of the children that we that we hear so much about and that we that we aim to serve. All right. So a year or so ago, when you were working on the trauma um, informed uh, storyline. You came up with certainly a one of the major forms of trauma that children experience in the United States is foster care. So you came up with the, kind of the seed, the the kernel of the idea. Then, so then what happens? You start thinking, first of all, but there's so many other types of trauma sure. and types of uh, so many other deep, heavy sure. issues affecting children. So how do you select amongst all of those? Which which one bubbles to the surface, and how do, and how does that process work? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, we always, our emphasis is always going to where the need is um, becoming more and more obvious um, and where we, we keep hearing from the field a call, a request for certain materials. Um, so we'll hear from, from advisors in the field. We'll hear at conferences. When we go present at conferences, we'll find, gee, 10 people just came up to me and asked me to, you know, asked us to address this topic. Um, so it's like that kind of anecdotal feedback that really matters. Mm -hmm. um, it's also um, what we see on social media. Um, you know, we put something out there and people will comment, oh, that's, that's really great. So glad Sesame is doing this, but I really wish they would address, you know, X. That combined with statistics that come out, especially ones that are very public, um, because as we do rely on on philanthropic funding, you know, that's a factor in what we do. Um, sure. So we always have, you know, in our hearts, we always have a list of what we want to tackle. And unfortunately, you know, the list remains and we'll keep we'll keep going. We'll keep busy, um, you know, for our entire careers. Um, and um, and we you know, we're we're grateful that we've been able to to do the stuff we have and have that inform um, any new topic that will roll out. Well, we for not that I represent the entire world of communities associated with uh, foster care, but uh, from the very bottom of our heart, we are thankful that you chose this topic, and that you chose Carly because she is just perfect, uh, and 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 Elmo is just the perfect ambassador. I guess ambassador is not the thank right you. word, no, but he's yeah, the perfect. They are. Friend. They certainly are. Exactly. No, and thank you, thank you so much. And you know, I just I want to say like. The honor is ours. We are not the ones in the front lines. Um, we are not foster caregivers. Um, we are not serving foster children and, and their families. Um, and we just, we have deep respect for the work y'all are doing. Um, and really, it's a privilege to be able to serve you. Uh, okay, so now we the, the the now we know how that topic kind of bubbled up to the surface. So you know that this is involving trauma. Is the next step to kind of uh, dig deeper and figure out which specific points you want to talk about that might be relevant to foster care and relevant to foster children? Quite frankly, that's of course the real focus. Um, is that the next step, and is that part of your discussing with foster parents? 
What are the biggest uh, pain points for children? What is the biggest misunderstanding? Is that the process that you next go through? Yeah, pretty much. We have lots of we have lots of steps, and we generally follow the same process for each um, difficult topic or really any topic. Um, so first, first the decision is made to t- to um, to create it, and that you know the funding is a piece of that, and then we convene an advisory board. And that's essentially, we do a national search for the best and the brightest in the field. Um, and they can be from any sector. And we usually have a balance. So we have people working on policy, on advocacy. We have academic researchers. We have the practitioners who are right there on the ground every day in the field. Um, we will have um, a, a variety a variety of those providers. Um, we have even journalists um, who, you know, who have covered the issue extensively and have kind of made it their thing. And the goal of these advisories is to give us, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful perk of the job to, to learn so much in a few days about something that you know nothing about because none of us were experts in this topic. Um, it's essentially like a, like a college course. Um, and we get to learn from the best and the brightest in the field. And they give us a snapshot of what, what the issue is today. Um, you know, the prevalence, the challenges, um, the, the causes, the impact. And we also really need to get from them what works. So what are, what are research proven strategies to help serve kids and families and providers? Um, what are some experimental strategies that are promising? What, what models are promising that we should look to? And the ultimate goal is to boil all of this amazing content that they've handed us down into, um, into messages. So once we land on a message, that's when we begin developing a, a wide range of content. And by message, I mean, yeah, what uh, do you mean? Yeah, how does all, how do all of these huge ideas and all of these statistics and, um, you know, all of just, we have so much content from, from the advisors. We have transcripts that are, that are really long. <laughs> Eventually we develop a, an advisory report. Um, and then from that, we develop um, a curriculum outline and a content outline. But our job really coming out of that advisory is to figure out what we are saying to our audience, right? And how we are saying it, because we're getting some high level information from advisors. And our, our sesame job is to, um, is to, to sesamatize it, right? So the, (laughs) a good example is the autism initiative, right? We had a Mm -hmm. lot to learn about autism. There were many different organizations with many different approaches, right? And many different goals. We thought as sesame, what can we take from from all this information from the experts, what we came down to, they kept telling us, you know, neurodiversity, um, there's, um, you know, something that kids need to hear is that every child is unique and that's what makes the world special. Well, that's a really Sesame idea. We've been doing that mm-hmm. from the beginning. But yeah, that's we, basically, ses- right. that, that is the essence of sesamatizing. Right, right. And um, yeah, and and what you know, what all adults who work with children truly feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the message, the overall message that sort of held the whole initiative together was um, was see amazing in all children, and that really got to the heart of what we were trying to say. And it's about inclusion, right? And it's about building bridges of awareness, um, you know, teaching neurotypical kids how to understand a child with autism and how to make friends with that child. So Julia did that really well. And, you know, modeling Julia and Big Bird, actually, her first friend, um, modeled those strategies really well. So the messaging um, that we wound up boiling down from foster care is, um, you know, there were there were a few small sort of sub messages. And you keep in the material, you keep seeing certain themes repeated in different ways um, by different, you know, characters in different, um, different media. You're not alone was a big one. Um, it's not your fault was another big one. Um, and we, we slowly unfold those important messages over, over the, uh, you know, over a variety of materials. And once we determine the message and we, um, we have an idea of what we want to actually create, then we take it to focus testing. And we ask the, um, the people, themse- the, the users, the audience themselves, um, their response to, um, to what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And um, we get a lot of, of course, positive responses because everybody wants materials to, you know, to support children and to, um, and to enrich their own 
their own lives and practices. Um, but we also get really important feedback. Um, a lot of times it's about specific language, like a specific term that we're using or not using that we're, you know, we're simply not getting it right. So in foster care, the the example is um, we were we were saying foster parents throughout the whole through all our materials, all of our descriptions of what we wanted to do. And, or we were saying foster caregivers perhaps. And an advisor said, um, yes, that's accurate. And adults would certainly recognize that term. Right. Um, but, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not kid friendly. And there's a real stigma as all the listeners know, there's a stigma around the label. Right. And it, and it stings stigma that stings and the kid friendly word that this advisor suggested was you are for now parents or um or there was another there was an alternate but we wound up using your for now parents um Mm -hmm. which was an easy way to explain to a child that this is what's happening right now um and the advisors helped us with this language of explaining to kids um this this is piece of your story, right? And this is where you are right now because mom or dad is having a hard time and um, is not able to to take good care of you right now. So these caring adults, these other adults who care about you are going to are going to do that for now because we also heard from advisors and from everyone in the field that we spoke with that the you know that there was that there was no predicting the trajectory of a child's story. Mm-hmm. That exactly. um, you know, multiple placements, the um, whether or not a reunion with the birth parent happens, and it was very difficult to be straightforward and honest with children when they ask these heartbreaking questions, um, because we don't, you know, the adults don't, the adults in, who care don't really have the answers, right? Um, so we knew that we had to stress the concept of for now, um, and we we have a many other goals in within the initiative we have some strategies like expressing one's feelings and the storybook focuses on that um i would say we've got about five strategies that we we sort of hit again and again um in terms of what we model let me pause now to remind everyone that you are listening to creating a family and today we're talking about how the new sesame street character carly who is in foster care how that came to be Uh, I want to let you know that this show is underwritten by Jockey Bean Family Foundation. Since 2005, they have been a leader in providing post-adoption support to strengthen adoptive families for successful futures. Jockey Bean Family connects adoptive parents and children with education and resources to help prevent failed adoptions. All right. Now you've talked about the storyline. Let's talk about the creating the Muppet. You said earlier that everything goes into, I mean, obviously the voice, but also you were saying the age, I'm sure the gender, the facial expressions, mm-hmm. the, the body language. So how does that, I guess the easier parts of that would be age and gender. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's start with that. Sure. But then I want to, to go, I want to go further. I want to know more about how Carly came to be Carly. Yeah. She's a lovely little Muppet. She's a very special little girl and she has, she has a lightness, you know, that sort of belies um, her chaotic and traumatic past, which we don't, we don't go too far into. Um, age is a really important piece of it because obviously most Sesame Street watchers are on the younger side, right? They're, they're not, um, they're not yet six, um, because our viewers tend to be younger. Um, there's a lot more, you know, as, as kids get older, there's a lot more, uh, there's a little more competition Mm -hmm. for their attention. Um, we need though, we need a Muppet that can articulate herself, um, around these issues and that can teach the younger kids. So often our, our Muppets for these special topics are, um, are around, you know, five, six or seven, um, because Mm -hmm. they have a level of articulation that can really help. Um, and yet they're still childlike, um, in terms of gender, you know, we knew that was 50, 50. Um, it just so happened that, um, that the Muppet that was being developed sort of lended itself to a feminine look. Um, her face is, we, we talked a lot about how we wanted her face to, to be open. Um, we wanted her to be able to have a kind of, of confidence, um, in her, in her facial expression and her body language. There's not always a lot of expression that you can add to a Muppet's face. You can control the, um, you can control the features. You can control the, 
the eyes and the mouth, um, sometimes the nose, I believe. Um, but really, can it, they control? They have that much control over the the actual facial expressions. If there's eyelids, you can control the eyes. Um, m- mouths always, of course, because they're speaking, yeah. right? But yeah, often speaking, it's the right? puppeteer who brings in this the spirit of the character and you know gives the character body language. So in autism, you saw that Julia um, had a certain stiffness and um, and a certain awkwardness that you might see in a child with autism. Her, her gaze, her eyes um, didn't look directly at the viewer. She often, she usually averted um, her gaze. And that was feedback that we got from the advisors. You know, she, she, she does, she is unique, right? And she does, she does stand out a bit. And you could see that um, fairly subtly in her character. Um, with Carly, we wanted her to to be able to, to be the vulnerable person that she is, right? Because this is what she's going through right now. And it, and this is just what's real, but we also wanted her to have um, enough playfulness that made, you know, so because she was a real kid, right. Whose, whose real job really was to be a kid and to play with the others in an ideal world. She would get to do that. Um, so all of those things went in. We also showed um, her, she has these sort of feathery pigtails. I'm not sure you've seen, they're sort of toward the top mm-hmm. of her head and they flow really, there's a very sweet way that they flow. We thought that the pigtails conveyed, um, that she was cared for. Um, it's something that we heard from the field, um, that a lot of times children, um, in homes that are in, in crisis, children who are experiencing trauma will, you know, there'll be physical signs of neglect. Um, and that one of those things was their hair. Um, and their clothes, mm-hmm. of course. So we wrote this into her backstory um, that there was a neglect situation going on. We don't we don't ever hear this in the in the kid facing materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really see that on the site. Um, but we we wanted her to look now in the present. We wanted her to look really well groomed and really cared for in a in a really kid appropriate way, right? So she has like the, the colors in her hair. And I think there's a little bit of like sparkle woven in. Somebody really took time and mm-hmm. showed up for this child and nurtured her in a way that, that would mean something to her. And then the viewers in turn will see something, you know, really sweet um, and positive reflected back at them. Somebody having the same experience as them, you know, who is now in a, a healthier and happier position. And that shows in what she looks like. Did you make up more than one Muppet to represent Carly and then focus test it to see which one was more, uh, more, more, took more attention to the audience, audience paid more attention to? Um, Muppets are often focus tested. Yes. Um, But Carly was not um, because she, she tend, she seemed to develop really, really beautifully on her own. We did, we did show advisors um, and she does, evolve she did evolve during her whole creation she was um she was a different color actually and it has to do with which um which materials are available which sort of raw materials for the for the different we call them builds the muppet builds um and they're different you know there's a range of eye choices um you could see you know you could see eyelids or you could not see eyelids you could see eyelashes or not so we wanted to go for the subtlety of expression in her eyes um mm-hmm. we didn't want her to look goofy so if we saw a version that was all about you know all about humor certain muppets muppets just look goofier than others right like like yeah. Grover can have a really goofy face so can elmo and yeah. it's a lot yeah. about the the sort of bouncy joy of that character um we wanted carly t- to have the joy of a child but also also to do the the heavier lifting right around this around this heavy topic. So yeah, we, we go through a lot of iterations. This one we did not focus test, um, although we shared her uh, with the advisors who were very pleased and excited to see how she was evolving, you know, because she was sort of a twinkle in all of our eyes until uh, until the, the Muppet builders started bringing her to life. And then yeah. when we see the Muppeteers on the set, when we see them first put the Muppets on their hands and breathe life into them, and they they become real characters, right? And you forget about mm-hmm. the puppet, the human puppeteer under there doing all the work. That's really when the thing becomes magic, and when we start to see, oh, there's Carly. Oh, I bet, I bet that's exciting. Um, do the uh, is the puppeteer also the voice? Yes, always. Yep. All right. So, did that go? And how do you choose the puppeteer? I would assume 
choosing the voice would be so, because that is how we recognize Carly. Totally. totally. Um, yeah, we, we do audition for that. Um, and there's usually, um, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's four puppeteers who audition, um, and they do a performance with the Muppet on them. So we, we hear the voice and we see the, the body language and the spirit that they're bringing to the, to the Muppet. Um, and that's a, it's a lot of discussion about the approach to the character and, you know, just like you would when you were casting a human for, um, for, for a live action human movie or, or TV show, um, so yeah, there's a there's a rigorous casting process, and they're um, experienced Muppeteers. Many of them have worked with other Muppets, um, but it's really exciting when a Muppeteer gets their first um, their first character of their own, right? Because there are Muppets that are that are sort of extras uh, that you know that don't have names um, that are sort of um, you know might just be there in a in a group of Muppets, yeah. but haven't crowd scenes exactly. Yes. They don't have their own puppeteer. They don't have names. They don't have their own personalities. Um, so to see a puppeteer, uh, you know, an experienced puppeteer who's, um, you know, worked with the Muppets for a long time, come into their, to their own character is, is really something magical. Well, I would, I would think that, I mean, where would people get experience outside of Sesame Street in being a puppeteer? I mean, I'm sure there are places, but they can't be very many. So when you do a casting call, is it more an internal casting call? I believe I believe it's both, although um, the Henson Company um, does have, you know, a large and precious bank of experienced puppeteers who have who have sort of come up within within that culture, um, within within the the world of Jim Henson um, and his legacy. And um, many start very, very young and are groomed um, and, you know, learn everything that they Mm -hmm. know from the from the senior Muppeteers. Um, And then you see you see those people. you know, grow and in, grow into, into masters. Oh, I bet that, I bet that, that would be exciting. And so this, uh, the puppeteer that is, uh, that is Carly, um, that is this person's full-time gig or do they then do, are they still doing other puppets because Carly is not a full-time job? Uh, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. It's, it's not full-time. Um, in fact, it was, I believe two days of shooting um, for all of the Carly video that we did. So yes, this, pu- oh, wow. this puppeteer um, whose name is Haley and she's wonderful. Um, she, yeah, she has, she has other work and um, you know, hopefully a lot more of Carly in her future. Yeah, we certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. We're rooting for you, Haley. <laughs> Full-time employment for Haley. Yay. <laughs> um, I also absolutely love the song. You are safe. Uh, again, I'm going to spare everyone and not sing it. But you are safe. You are strong. There is a place for you here. Who wrote that? Are, uh, I'm probably putting you on the spot. Is it beautiful? Maybe, no, no, not at it, all. It's not so a, beautiful. I know. Um, I've worked very closely with this writer um, for many years, and she um, she's done a lot for Sesame. Um, her name is Samantha Berger. She wrote um, she wrote the script, and she also wrote the song. Um, oh, really? And, she, and it just came to her, and she sang it into the producer's voicemail. And the song is almost <laughs> almost unchanged from the original, um, from you know that original voicemail, and it's in it's in harmony, and you hear the yeah. the four characters, and when we first heard that on the set, it was like the air just changed, like it just mm-hmm. became this this hallowed space, and ev- I mean people were just speechless, um, and I think and they had never, I believe they had ne- never sung it together before um, the, in this four part harmony. So it was this kind of magic to me, it seemed perfect on the very first take. Of course we, we do, we do everything a million <laughs> times. Um, and everybody weighs in, um, because everybody's really thinking about every note, but that song has become, you know, the, the most, I think evocative and, um, it, it's been a real standout piece for the whole initiative. Um, a lot of times I have it in my head, um, and just me too, Wormier, so, right? <laughs> the message is so, it's so tender and it's so simple. Um, it's, it's just, you, you know, there's a place for you, you belong. And I think, I think everybody, regardless of, um, whether they've, um, coped with, with the foster care system, you know, it's, it's this human mm-hmm. drive, mm-hmm. this human need is basic, a human need, very yeah. primal need to, um, to belong. And I think it really resonates um, with with viewers um, 
you know, you usually see people tear up when they, when Mm -hmm. they watch it. And I still do sometimes, even though I've, I've heard it many, many times. (laughs) And now I'm I'm sure the puppeteer is not the the one singing um, Carly's voice. That puppeteer yeah, the is the are voice. Singing. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the and the, uh, I'm blanking on the uh, the foster mom's name, but oh, her voice is gorgeous is as well. That's Dahlia. Yeah, the um, the, the Dahlia, the Dahlia and Clem. Dahlia, right. Dahlia and Clem. Yeah, and we named them for um, we named them. We wanted to give them symbolic names. So Dahlia, I believe, is something um, along the lines. One of the the meanings, and it might be um, there might be sort of a twist on it, is um, a, a, a strong branch. Um, and Clem is about, um, kindness, the, the derivation of that name. And Carly is, um, is strong. Carly means strong. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it's a so all derivative. the puppeteers are, are the ones who are singing yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't Elmo sing on that song as well. He does. Yep. It's yeah. this beautiful four part harmony. And we have a, um, we have a music supervisor who's down on the floor conducting them as if one would conduct a, a choir or an orchestra. So to hear them with that four part harmony and the, you know, it's got a sort of a round um, feel to it. It just, yeah. it was, it just, the way it came together was just really magical. And we knew it was, we knew it was exactly what it needed to be to, for this initiative. So, so when you're, when you're casting, you're casting not only for the ability to be a puppeteer, which having never done it, but I'm assuming that's not easy. Mm-hmm. And it's you're really casting like it's so much for, harder than it looks. Oh, I well, I, <laughs> I'm not very coordinated, so it would be definitely harder for me. It looks hard for me. It really is. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that looks very hard to me. And then, but it's also acting. I mean, so you're, you're they have to act. They actually have to be coordinated enough yeah. to do the Muppet, yeah. and they have to sing. Yeah. Yeah, there can't be a lot of people that can do all those really. things, and it's also so much more physically demanding than than I had imagined. You know, before I first um, stepped foot on the set, because they're they're on the ground, they're often rolling around like on dollies, and they're often smushed together. So they sort of the humans, so they have to sort of move as like one organism, and that's really something to see. But they're also holding their hands up, and for a long, long time. Um, oh man, that would be yeah, hard. Yeah, right. And Big Bird yeah. is like the perfect example of how physically demanding it was because he's eight and a half feet tall. So the puppeteer um, has to have his hand up in the head of Big Bird, and plus the big heavy suit. So it's it's really demanding. Um, and when you you know you just you look at how um, how physically taxing it is at the end of a day, and you see um, you know you see the puppeteers and what they've what they've been doing at the end of the day, and it's it's really it's a, it's a workout. Oh, I can, I can really imagine. I mean, if anybody has, has done much yoga and there's parts of yoga where you're we're keeping your hand raised for a while and, you know, they say one minute and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this has been forever. This is a lot longer. I can't even imagine. I really can't. We have a question from one of, and you raised, you, you talked about this topic before, and this is from Darren. He says, I love Sesame Street and the Muppets, and I think it is amazing that this character has been introduced. So thank you. I appreciate that every child's story is different, but Carly seems to be about returning to the birth family. Mm-hmm. Carly's meaning the, her story yeah. seems to be about returning to the birth family one day. This is obviously not every child's story. Were you concerned? Were concerns ever raised that this may give children hope of returning mm-hmm. to their birth families, where there may not be a personal yeah. that may not be their personal situation? Mm-hmm. It's such an important question, um, and one we did talk about for a long, long time um, with our trusted advisors. With these difficult topics, and this comes up in every difficult topic, um, because they're Muppets and because we want to present information in a, in a child-sensitive way, but we also want to model the best-case scenarios. So a lot of this is is first of all, modeling to adults, right? The adults are seeing this and they might be taking away some strategies that, um, that the, the Muppet foster parents are using. Um, and if they just do one, if they just take away one thing that they can use to make a, a child's experience, um, more positive then then we've succeeded. Right. Um, there's a strange balance between like presenting a, a, a too rosy version um, you know, a too rosy presentation of what's really an incredibly traumatic, you know, over long periods of time, trauma, um, that kind of topic, and showing how 
how things could be, right? How they, um, how to bring the most positive possibilities to bear in what you're, what you're sharing to kids and giving them, um, giving them the hope, giving them mm-hmm. the optimism, you know, the, um, the thought for a better future. Um, we learned from advisors that the goal when it's possible and when things work out, and we all know the sad truth, um, that it does not, um, that the goal psychologically for the child, if it's safe, um, is reunion with the birth parent, that the mm-hmm. biggest trauma that most children have experienced, most children in care have experienced is the removal of, mm-hmm. you know, of the child from the home. And that no matter what that parent has done, the the usual scenario is the child does not want to be removed, right? And would like mm-hmm. to protect that parent. So mm-hmm. we, we had true. to strike a really it was a very difficult balance. We didn't share very much of Carly's backstory, except that her mom was having a hard time and couldn't care for her well. So she was getting some grown-up help, right? That it wasn't Carly's fault. She was getting grown-up help. And that for now, these adults um, were going to take care of her because we all know that the, the most basic need of a child, right, is to feel to to feel physical and emotional safety, to feel cared for, to feel seen and heard. So, regardless of what happens in her future, um, we wanted to show that the the present of her life and how she was um, she was lucky enough, right? Of course, in many ways, very unlucky. Um, but that right now in this moment that we're seeing her, she's, um, she's safe, she's loved, she's cared for. And these adults are going to, to see her, to hear her, to help her express her biggest feelings. And we know that no matter how a child's, how a, you know, a viewer child's life plays out, that though, that, that, um, that moment of being cared for and also having some, you know, learning some self-care strategies that that will serve all children, regardless of, um, Mm -hmm. of their experiences. At this point in time, she is safe, she's strong, and there's a place yes, for her. Yes. Yeah. And and I, there was a, a really interesting discussion on uh, one of our online communities about this topic. Uh, Darren had raised it about the, and, and I thought Kim had a good point. She And this is from Kim. She said, we've had 21 foster kids mm. and 20 have been returned to family members. I am so thankful that mm. this story, that they appeared... I am so thankful that this is the story they appear to be showing. Mm. There are lots of films with characters being raised by non-biological parents, but they rarely show reunification. Mm. So I think that Kim raises a, 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 which is a supportive point of what uh, what you, uh, will there be a reunification storyline uh, with Carly? Funny you should ask. Um I'm happy to be able Breaking to share. News, everyone. <laughs> I'm Breaking happy news. to be able to share. And Dawn, I'm not sure if you knew this yet either. Um, but it, it was announced in some of the um, some of the articles and the stories that came out um, in response to the foster care initiative. In the fall, we're going to be launching an initiative, a similar initiative, um, on Sesame Street and Communities.org around um, addiction, and it's for for children with parents who are struggling with addiction mm-hmm. and the children mm-hmm. coping with the effects of that. Um, that that ambassador is going to be Carly. Oh, yes. good. it's funny because when I was talking with some of the, uh, some of your folks, I, I mentioned to them that, you know, what you said, a lot of people do this. I didn't realize it was so common. I was playing to the, uh, to the, uh, to the standard there, but I mentioned that uh, another really important topic that ties in is addiction, but I did, they, they, they were mom. They did not tell me a sad overlap. We know. Um, Mm -hmm. So we know that we knew that Carly of course could have this, this long coherent narrative and we, we created a backstory for her. Um, And so once you see the addiction materials, you learn that um, we actually, strangely, we keep them separate, right? Because like they're separate topics on the site and we don't mention one in the other. Um, and that's because we want them to stand alone because everybody using them will, you know, will not necessarily have, have this overlap, but a lot of them will. And if, if they're using both topics, it's going to be very clear to them, you know, how it's, how it's going to help. So Carly's story is that her, um, her mom, her birth mom, um, was struggling with addiction and they, and Carly was, um, was living with neglect. Um, and she wasn't being cared for well, um, because mom was really having a hard time with a grown up problem. So 
Carly is um, identified by a teacher um, because she wasn't wearing the, the appropriate clothes. And again, this is only in the backstory. It doesn't really show up anywhere um, yet. Um, she, um, she, she was clearly being neglected. She was identified by a teacher who you know, brought it to the, the school social worker and, um, and she's placed in foster care. So she's in foster care for several months and, um, Dahlia and Clem, her for now parents have, um, have cared for, um, a number of foster children and, um, they, they knew, and, um, Carly knew that the ultimate goal was to reunite with her birth mom who was in treatment for three months. Um, and, is and then, when we when we get to the addiction topic, um, she's about to return home from treatment, and she's in recovery. So Carly is coping with the anxiety of um, of having mom return. Um, she's of course very excited to see her mom. She's also having lots of big feelings, right? Sadness, anger, mm-hmm. anxiety, worry. Um, mm-hmm. She's struggling with um, with her previous role of feeling like she had to take care of her mom and mm-hmm. hide what was going on and, you know, live with the shame um, and just the, the responsibility that we know so many children in this situation feel. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we made the choice to not show the birth mom um, because we, we actually do show a tiny, tiny glimpse, um, but we did not create a Muppet around, around her um, because we felt that that was another, that was another story that deserved telling really well, um, and that we wanted to focus on Carly's experience, um, mm-hmm. sort of transitioning into this, um, into this new chapter in her life and in her family's life. So we'll see her preparing for her mom's return. Um, and we also are going to see her in conversation with, um, with, with human children who, um, who have lived through this, um, and are, are now on the other side. So Carly is, um, She's still in a vulnerable position, but her her narrative arc is sort of clearly beginning to wind down to leave her and her mom in a much healthier and happier place. So this will be a whole nother mm-hmm. storyline that will yeah. be introduced in the yeah. fall. Yeah. October. And then we don't know. Uh, we have no idea whether Carly will ever appear again, or do we? Know? we well, we we always hope, um, and you know, we we do rely. We certainly we, right. We uh, yes, it, we we rely on on the generosity of our funders. Um, so there's always more on our wish list. We always um, we have ideas at the ready for what 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 else we would want to do with her and um, and with other with other characters that really embody the resilience um, that we're, that we're trying to build in kids and families on the site. You are listening to creating a family today. We're talking uh, with the creator of Carly or one of the creators of Carly, the foster care or the foster child Muppet uh, or the Muppet who happens to be in foster care um, on Sesame street, Sesame street in communities.org. This show could not and would not happen without the generous support of our partner, partner agencies. And and when we call them partners, they really are. They are choosing, most of them are nonprofit as well, and they are choosing to take their dollars and support us and support our mission, which is providing unbiased education and support to pre-adoptive families, pre-foster families, and post-adoptive and foster families. Two of our partners are Vista Del Mar. They are a licensed nonprofit adoption agency with over 65 years of experience helping to create families. They offer home study only services as well as full service infant adoption, international adoption, and foster to adopt programs. You can find them online at vistadelmar.org. We also have Spence Chapin. They are an adoption agency in New York City, and they are they have a, a really wonderful mentorship program where they take adult adoptees and 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 assign them to a mentee in their mentorship program to help the the teen work through and think through some of the issues of adoption. It is a, it's it's a program that's been going on for a while. It is such a good program. So they're looking right now, they're recruiting uh, for the fall for adults. They need adults age 21 and older. It's a volunteer position. Uh, The mentors will serve as role models to encourage mentees to ask questions, 
feel comfortable with their identities and develop healthy self-esteem. If you are interested, it, it really lends itself to people living in the New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut area. Uh, if you are interested, please contact them. It is such a strong program, and I honestly think it probably would help the mentors as much as it would help the mentees. But anyway, you can get more information at their website, spence-chapin.org. Um, uh, Kama, who is your audience? I've, I, when my children were younger and watching Sesame Street, I, I swear sometimes I thought, you know, they're really talking to me. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> they're really not talking to my child. Um, yep. And sometimes I squirmed yeah. when I thought that. And, and when I watched this one, and I, uh, I, I thought I would watch the first one uh, with Carly, I thought, I think foster parents could be getting a lot out of watching uh, Dahlia and Clem as well. So who is your audience? It's it's a really great great question, especially to ask about Sesame Street and communities.org because the providers are often the gatekeepers of all of this material. Um, and that's how the that's how parents and ultimately how children, you know, receive it and how they benefit from it. So it's it's a it's an interesting hybrid. Um, the site has a lot of professional development for um, a variety of providers. So in that way, you know, it's very adult facing for anybody serving kids in a professional capacity. Um, the materials themselves, like the video, most of the videos, most of the Muppet videos, um, a lot of the activity pages, and certainly the digital interactives, like, you know, the games, essentially, um, those, those are, are kid facing. Um, but we also know that when parent, it's all about engagement. It's all about the relationship of the caring adult to the child and the power of that relationship um, to really help kids grow smarter, stronger, and kinder. So when adults are watching with the kids, and we call that co-viewing, um, when they're really engaged, um, you know, there's there's media, there's a screen, but there's something really important happening, and the adult can set it up with some questions and some little extension activities. Um, when that when that co-viewing is happening, we know that the adult is watching what's going on, and if it's a foster parent watching Clem and Dahlia and the way they speak with Carly, um, you know, the strategies they are modeling, then that's something that they're taking away as well, even though it's, it's completely child appropriate, you know, and the child is getting everything that we intended them to from, from the whole video. Um, the parents, the parents are watching themselves as well and relating to their experience. And, you know, we found, I'm sure many of, many of us here today have a favorite Muppet and one, you know, a, a Sesame Street memory that, um, that sticks with them and just, you know, a certain character that has a, a place in their heart. Um, we know that, that the Muppets have this special power to reach not just kids, but, but adults. And that, um, that we were, you know, we're all every age we've ever been, I like to say. Um, and we all have that childlike place in us that really that connects with that character and that that just stays with us our whole lives. So when we're when we're watching it, um, I mean, certainly, I think all of my colleagues would would share the sentiment. Um, we're really we're in it, you know, in a way that we're not we're not viewers out. We're not we're not outside of it looking, you know, the way we're not trying to imagine how a viewer would see it, although we certainly are. We ourselves are right there with those characters in that community. And that's still resonates with us. It's still really real. So, um, so yeah, it's the, it's the dual parent child audience and, you know, everything that is sort of, um, the basis of that, which makes, um, Sesame Street and communities, uh, really a special resource. When you focus test, did you have a group of children watching it as well? Or was it mainly just parents? We didn't for this one. Um, they do that for the show. They have, um, they, they do children focus testing, um, and they measure, for instance, engagement, um, you know, how kids are reacting, um, physically and, and verbally and, you know, with their, with their gaze on the screen. Um, and they test their understanding of the concepts. Um, we often do that mostly in, in our impact study. So our, we call our summative research, basically, did it work? Um, and we'll, um, it's different for every initiative. Um, but we, yeah, we do, we do look at, look at children, how they're responding. Um, but mostly it's about the feedback we get from the adults in their lives. Um, you know, that, that is simply reported by them. You know, my, my child, um, you know, started having fewer, 
fewer meltdowns, you know, start, I, I notice that he's um, less overwhelmed by big feelings, you know, after watching this video several times and having conversations about it. It's that kind of um, anecdote about the impact that we get. So, of course, the children are always um, first, you know, front, front of front of mind. So, so what is the, I'm curious, what is the impact you're hearing? It's not been, it's, you know, you haven't had a lot of time, um, but uh, what is the impact? It's all new stuff. So um, a lot of adults have shared their stories on our social media and you can, um, you can join um, Sesame on on Facebook. You can join Sesame Street in communities or one just for providers is Sesame Street in communities providers um, and, and share your stories. Um, As many foster parents have, they've, they've put up photos and they've, they've told their stories, their history as foster parents, and usually something about the children in their care or children who have been in their care. Um, Most have, have been expressing gratitude and wishing Mm -hmm. that they'd had resources like this, you know, for in the past mm-hmm. for, for other children exactly. in their care. Um, we did, we did hear one really touching anecdote, um, where, where a child, um, you know, looked at, looked at Carly, um, and made a comment like she's, she's like me, you know, she's, she's in my, not using this word, but she's in my position, right. I'm just like Carly. And that's exactly, that's exactly the goal. We want kids to see themselves reflected in her. Yeah, I I think you will see that. I have certainly heard from foster parents. Um, I think the overwhelming uh, thing we're hearing is gratitude. They are so grateful uh, that this is a storyline, that that this is a subject that's being talked about. And quite frankly, they're thankful that there are child-facing materials, because although there are some, and we have a list of books uh, available on our website, um, there needs to be a lot more, and uh, so I think that's that's the overwhelming thing we're hearing is uh, is is gratitude. Um, so, what's in the future? What are some of the other big topics that you, uh, if you can tell us, yes, uh, addiction? I, I okay, th- I think so addiction. Hold, we know. I think I have to hold twenty twenty close to the chest for now. Um, but the <laughs> um, the addiction initiative will be launching in October. So I hope, um, I don't hope because it's really unfortunate, but um, I hope that many of the listeners um, will find that to be a useful resource as well. And every every month or so we roll out with new topics, but they're not all the difficult topics. They're not, they're not all tough times and, you know, difficult conversations is the sort of general term we use for them. Um, we do a lot on early learning basics, you know, ABCs and one, two, threes, and we do a lot around health and wellness um, and a lot about different kinds of families. Um, we have about 27 topics up on the site right now, and about a third of them, possibly a little more, um, are about the, the difficult topics. And the site you were referring to is sesamestreetincommunities.org. Is that where you would send people? That's where you should go. It's um, it's all completely free and it's all bilingual. It's available in Spanish and you'll just find, um, you'll find a ton of resources for kids, families, and providers. And again, the professional development piece um, is really powerful and you'll find that a link at the top. You can register as a provider and you'll get information about webinars, um, online courses, many, you can get, um, continuing education credits for those, um, as well as, um, it's, it's also searchable. So you can, um, if you only want to see videos, search that way. If you want to search by a certain age group, search that way, um, search by topic and so on. And you can also pull up a, a specific video for your child exactly. right there on that site exactly. as well. And you can bookmark them. If you, um, if you register, you can bookmark your favorites. And you mentioned that there were games. Can you just briefly, what yeah. what are the games? I mean, are they the type that kids can play when you're trying, you're on, when you're on the phone and you hand them your tablet so that they will stop bothering you? Like, so you, can <laughs> you, you, can, you can certainly do that. You know, they all, um, they're really all designed for parent-child engagement, but, but we know okay. the reality of life. <laughs> so there's one in foster care and everybody should play it because it's really excellent. And all the adults here love to do it. It's, um, it's called slow it down. And it's, um, you have six different choices and it's meant as a calming activity. Um, as if imagine a child in full meltdown mode, needing, a, a needing a shift, um, often like a sensory activity can absorb them and kind of, um, you know, get them away from that hijacked feeling. So 
for instance, on on the the, the piece, um, they can choose from six different activities. One is like drawing in, in sand and stamping it and using a rake um, and just a very, you know, one of those like sand Zen garden type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's slime, which is awesome, um, where they can sort of paint in slime, like move it around. So it looks like they're actually playing in slime and they can decorate it with certain things and make stamps and they can write in it, make, you know, they can write their name. Um, there's, um, there's some music making uh, there's a marimba. So they're playing certain tones and there's a video option where you have six videos to choose from and there's slow motion videos. So, you know, you can get really mesmerized um, by watching some of those like time-lapse videos of like a seed, um, you know, in soil and you you watch the whole thing grow into a flower and it's like, you could watch it again and again. And it, um, it, it, it shows you, I mean, that's a speeded up version. Um, but you can also see slow motion things like, um, like a drop of water dropping into, you know, onto a surface of water and how it bounces off and how it, if you watch it in very slow motion, it's really amazing and really mesmerizing. And a child can, um, can control those videos, can make them faster or slower and, and really just soothe themselves, um, without words. So, you know, we're not suggesting to the adult, um, you know, a certain strategy for helping a kid, um, in full tantrum mode. We're just saying, you might hand this over and, and ask children to pick an activity, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it can often provide, um, some, some soothing, um, a a sort of change of stimuli. It's just one, just one tool. And that's a, it's an example of a, um, of an Mm -hmm. interactive, um, it's not really a game because it's not, you know, gamified, um, but it's an interactive activity that's, um, that's made like with the needs of, of these kids in mind. Maybe it needs for the parents too. Oh, yes, everyone. <laughs> I'm, must, thinking everyone that, must. I'm thinking that. Yeah, this this would be uh, this would be good for me as well. Well, thank you so much, Kem Einhorn, for who is the senior content manager for Sesame Workshops USA Social Impact Group, otherwise known as Sesame Street and Families. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. To get more information about all the stuff that has been developed by Sesame Street for this initiative, go to their website, sesamestreetincommunities.org. I hope that we crash your site tonight. I hope so too. And Don, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And to all the listeners, thank you so much for all the work you do.